in the book of John, because it's all about Jesus, we want to continue to look at some of these I am statements. There's seven I am statements in the Bible, that, or excuse me, in the Gospel of John that Jesus says about himself. Uh, one of those in chapter 6 is, I am the bread of life. Or in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. When we come to John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 10. We see two more statements from Jesus that talk about who he is. I am. And he gives an interesting description of who he is. In John 10 verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, in the first century, many, if not all, of the people would have understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. Sheep and shepherds were a great illustration Jesus could use to convey truth, truth from God, truth from Scripture. And back in that day, Jesus says he's the good shepherd. And there were other good shepherds there as well, people who took care of their sheep, who cared so much about them and not just what they can get from them. But there were also really bad shepherds as well. Shepherds that would abuse their sheep. Shepherds that would neglect their sheep. Shepherds that were called hired hands who weren't really there to care for the sheep. It was more to make money. And they would do really bad things to the sheep just to make sure they had a job. And it's funny, not only do you, can you use that illustration with real shepherds and sheep... Back in that day, some religious leaders were also called shepherds, and people that followed them were their flock or the sheep. And there were really good religious leaders of the day who their lives looked like Jesus. They really wanted to love people and care for people and help people understand the scriptures. But just like there were bad shepherds of sheep, there were bad religious leaders of flocks. And there were religious leaders who abused the scriptures, or religious leaders who did not love their people right, religious leaders who did not care about their own soul, but they put on a front. It was all on the external. There was no depth, no godliness on the inside. And as I've been reflecting about that, I thought to myself, man, you fast forward 2,000 years later, and it doesn't seem like much has changed. Because all of the time, I see it in the things that I follow as a pastor. It seems like every week, someone that I look up to, someone that I've studied, someone that I have their books on my bookshelf in my office right now, all of a sudden they're disqualified from ministry. Or they fall, or they do something that wrecks their family or wrecks their church. I'm thinking, what are you doing? There are podcast specials and TV specials about pastors who have made it all about themselves and they've ruined people's lives all because they cared more about themselves than the people they were serving. And I know, in talking with some of you over the years, that's some of your story. You were growing up and you had a pastor or a priest or a religious figure in your life who you thought you could trust, that they would lead you in the right direction, and then they ended up doing something. You're like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a, a person I look up to, a person that's close to God, and you're doing this, or you're treating me this way? If that's you, I'm sorry. It should never be this way. It's one of the reasons you've stayed away from church, or you know other people that won't come to church. It's the reason why you 
probably evaluate every little thing that I say and you're trying to figure out what will I do to let you down because you've been let down from so many people that look like me. It's the reason why you've even walked away from God because if these people are supposed to represent God and I can't trust them, how can I trust anything? Thankfully, people are going to let you down. But Jesus says he won't. And he promises to be our good shepherd. And as we go through John chapter 10, I am hoping that you walk away today knowing that he will guide you and care for you as his own. And what we want to look at today is why is he the good shepherd? We can say Jesus is the good shepherd. Great, it's Jesus. But why? What things can I trust? What things can I hold on to, especially when life is hard or I don't know if he exists or I don't know if he's close right now? How can I know that he will guide me through life as it is? I want you to walk away with this truth, and I'm going to say it so many times, I promise you, you're going to remember it. (laughs) I am safe and secure when I follow the good shepherd. I am safe and secure when I follow the good shepherd, and here's why. First of all, I'm safe and secure because he's willing to sacrifice his life for the sheep. We read this in John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. And then he says, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Now that word sacrifice in the Greek, which is the New Testament language, is the words to put, to place, or to lay. If you open the New International Version of the Bible, it would say to lay down. It says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He sacrifices himself for the sheep. Practically, it looks like this. Jesus says again, I tell you the truth. Here's the other I am statement. I am the gate for the sheep. Now a shepherd, a real shepherd, and his sheep, he was in charge of caring for them. Well, they were most vulnerable at night. And so here's what a shepherd would do. A shepherd would take these sheep into a sheep pen at night. And he would get them all gathered in a certain area. And then that opening that was there, or the gate, he would literally lay down in front of that, becoming the gate himself, so that no sheep can get out, and so no wolves or other animals can get in. No one can get past him, because he literally laid himself down to keep his, his sheep safe. Is that not a picture of Jesus? Jesus is the gate, the gate by which we enter into heaven, enter into eternal life, enter into a life worth living here. And the way he does that, by literally laying down, by sacrificing himself on the cross, he gives himself up for the sheep so that they can be safe for eternity. He takes on the cross, giving himself up, laying himself down for the betterment of his people. That's why we are safe and secure when we follow the good shepherd. Also, because we don't, or because he doesn't run from danger. Verse 12, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. I mentioned before a hired hand was someone who was not truly the shepherd of the sheep. It was someone hired to help care for the sheep. They were just doing a job. 
And so if there was danger, they didn't want to lose a paycheck. (laughs) And so they wouldn't go and defend the sheep from animals or other people. They would literally run away. But our shepherd, he doesn't run away from danger. He runs into danger. Like a fireman who is running into The flames, while everyone is running out, is what our good shepherd does for us. If you don't believe me, you have to look at what is the uniqueness of Christianity. Because all other religions say there is a God out there and you must do whatever it takes to someday reach him in the afterlife. You must do good after good after good deeds so that someday, hopefully, you can be with him for eternity. But our God doesn't do it that way. Our God runs into danger because our God was born into this earth. Our God could have remained in heaven and said, you've made a mess of this earth, you fix it. But our Jesus, he doesn't do that. He doesn't run away. He runs towards danger. He runs to this world. And he was so crazy. He doesn't isolate himself. He doesn't put himself in a bubble. He experiences everything that you and I have experienced, but without sin. He's known as a man of sorrows. He was betrayed by his closest friends. He was lonely. People had to, wanted to kill him constantly, stone him. But he didn't run away from danger. He ran into it and then ends up not evading the cross. He goes on to the cross, dying for all people. Our good shepherd doesn't run away when it gets hard. He runs ahead. He runs into danger. That's why we can trust him. That's why I'm safe and secure. That's why you're safe and secure when you follow the good shepherd. Also, because his motivation, his love, his disposition towards us always, 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 always is love. It has to be love because that is who God is. We can be loving when we try really hard and if the person deserves it, but God is love. He has to be that way because that's who he is. That's his character. We read this in verse 13. It says, The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Spurgeon, he puts it this way about this verse. He says this, In the Latin tongue, the word for money is akin to the word sheep because to many of the first Romans, wool was their wealth and their fortunes lay in their flocks. But our Lord Jesus... He is our shepherd, and we are his wealth. The hired hands were in it for what they can get. Our shepherd is in it for what he can give. His motivation towards you is always loving. He wants what is very, very best for you. That's why he says in verse 10, it says this way, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. The enemy of your soul will do whatever it takes to rob you of the life that God has for you. But Jesus says, I want to give them a purpose, a purpose that is rich and satisfying. I want to give them this kind of life that when it's hard, they can still find peace, where they don't have to allow their circumstances to dictate how they feel. 
They can have whatever I have for them because what I have for them is purpose, meaning, and value. You and I don't have to wonder what other people think of us to define our worth and therefore how we should live. We have a good shepherd that wants to give us all that we need because he is so motivated by love to shepherd us into where we need to go. But what Jesus doesn't say is that he will give us an easy life. I told you there's good shepherds and bad shepherds. Let me tell you a characteristic of a bad shepherd. If you ever hear or read about a pastor or a teacher who's talking about how you can be rich and how God wants to spare you from suffering and all those things, they are a bad shepherd. I can promise you they only care for themselves. They are preaching to itching ears to hear what they want, and usually that accompanies an ask of something. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, in this world, you will have sorrow. Jesus says, I will give you a satisfying life, but I will not guarantee an easy life. There are some of you right now who are saying, look, I'm glad that Jesus wants to be my shepherd. I want him to give me a rich and satisfying life. But what I'm going through, it sure doesn't feel that way. In fact, it feels like God has given me the opposite of that. Everything that I've gone through, And what I would say to that is we have to turn to another passage in Scripture. A passage that's about shepherds and sheep. A passage written by by David. One of the most famous passages in the Scripture, Psalm 23. And it's interesting, in Psalm 23, David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is the key. For you are with me. David says there are times in our lives where it literally feels like we're going to die. The shadow of death is casted on us and it's so dark, so miserable, so hard that it just feels like you have no idea where you're going. You have no idea where God is in that. To have a rich and satisfying life, to be able to walk through that valley is to know that he is with me. If I am going through something, and I don't know where I'm going, but I know I can grip on to the shepherd, and he will get me to where I need to go. That's all I need to know. If I know he is in it with me, I know I can get through it. If you're going through a hard time right now, he is there with you. He will not abandon you. He can't abandon you because that would not be loving, and our God is love. His motivation towards you is love. You may not want be where you want to be, and I understand that, but he will get you where you need to be if you hold on to his hand. I don't know when the darkness will evaporate, but I can tell you with certainty that the man who calls himself the light of the world will will show you how to get there, will show you where to go. You have to hold on to his hand. He will shepherd you. What I also love, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Philip Keller uh, wrote a book on Psalm 23, fantastic book. Not only was he a pastor, so he was a shepherd in that way, he was a literal shepherd. He shepherded sheep for eight years. And so he writes Psalm 23 from a perspective of, here's what the Bible says, but let me tell you why, uh, as a shepherd, it all makes sense. And so he's talking about how a shepherd would have two instruments with him at all times, a rod and a staff. 
A rod was a, essentially a big stick that he would use to keep big animals like, like wolves, coyotes, snakes, all that stuff away. He would use that rod to protect. But the staff, the staff was a long slender stick with a hook on the top. And it was to care for the sheep. And there were times when the shepherd said to the sheep, we need to go a different path. It may be a brand new path for them. And they're so used to going this way. They're just going to go this way. And he uses the staff just to bring them on to a new path. Or they're about to go on to a dangerous path. And there's just limited space there on the road. And the, the shepherd would use the staff to gently bring him back over and over again and make sure that he is safe. There may be a path right now that you are on that God's going to ask you to change. Maybe it's beginning a relationship, or maybe it's ending one. Maybe it's continuing in a job you don't like because there's more to it than you can even imagine, or he's going to ask you to take a new one. It can be something in your friendships. It can be something with your kids. I don't know, but there are going to be times where you and I need to follow the shepherd's leading, and he will help guide us if we're willing to trust him if we're willing to let him use the hook to get us where we need to be. This is kind of how I have felt, to be honest, about going on a sabbatical. And while I know it's, it, honestly, it's only five weeks, for me it's been hard because when I took on this job seven years ago, I have just really poured my whole heart into it. You guys have been so kind to me. I mean, I just, side note, I have friends and, and pastors who are pastors of their church and they tell me these horror stories. I'm like, I feel bad for you. You should come work with me because I don't have those. <laughs> I mean, I just love what we do. And when God was saying, you need to go on a different path and you need to trust me and you need to let go and you need to get healthy, I fought him for a while. In fact, I brought up a sabbatical to my counselor and I just pretended I didn't say it. He goes, wait, what did you say? I said, ah, I was thinking about sabbatical. He goes, oh, we need to talk about that. <laughs> and then my mentor, a week later, who I was hanging out with, said the same thing. I thought, okay, God, you're shepherding me something new here, something I have to trust you. And he says, let go, but grip on to me. Grip on to me. I know it's scary. I know it's dangerous. I know it's so new. You don't know what to do with it, but I'm with you. I'll keep bringing you back if you trust me. The other thing that I love about the staff is when sheep, who are the dumbest animal in the whole world, by the way, they get themselves in the uh, trouble the staff is used to get them out of trouble. Philip Keller is talking about one of his sheep that got a little greedy one time, wanted to eat a little bit more grass in a different area that he wasn't supposed to, kept eating, kept eating, fell into the river. <laughs> so he had to use the staff to get the sheep out. Or they don't see that there are these bushes ahead. They only see grass. They only see grass. They don't see these thorny bushes ahead. And they go right into the bushes. And then he has to use the staff to get them out because they are stuck in the bushes. And I thought to myself, wow, God, I need you to do that for me. How many times, maybe because it's greediness or because of sexual sin or because of different things in our lives that we're not trusting God with and we're going to something else other than him, we find ourselves drowning or we find ourselves in a precarious situation. We need our God to get us out. And he's so gracious. He's so kind He's not saying, oh, you're in the bushes again. Are you kidding me? I just got you out. He just gently takes the staff and he brings us back again. 
brings us back again, and he brings us back again because he loves you. He is worth following. That's why we are safe and secure when we follow the good shepherd. Finally, it's because he knows me. It says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. That word know literally means to know someone. And it goes beyond just surface level knowledge. It is truly knowing everything about you more than your spouse, more than your best friend, more than your parents, your siblings. You think they know you. You think you know yourself, but God says, I know you even more. And you may say to that, oh yeah, that makes sense. He's God, he knows me. But let me say that again in a different way. He knows you. The thoughts that you would never allow to come out of your mouth, or you'd be taken to prison for those things, you know. Those things. The person that you really are in private. The person that you are when no one's around and you have a phone or a laptop or an iPad. The things that you've stuffed away in the closet hoping no one ever finds. He knows you. <laughs> and yet, he is willing to sacrifice himself for you. He's willing to run into danger for you. He is willing to continue to show love to you and pull you out of situations and get you where you need to go because we are safe and secure when we follow the good shepherd. He will do whatever it takes to keep us safe and secure. But this line, this phrase, this truth breaks down if only God does his part. You see, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and they know me. The only way that you and I can truly be safe and secure is if we follow the good shepherd. Following Jesus isn't about just coming to church on a Sunday, praying when you feel like it, going to the Bible when you need some motivation, and being kind to somebody when it works for you. See, that's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is an exclusivity. There's an exclusivity to it in that it's following Jesus and going where he says to go above all things and above every other thing. That's why he says in verse 4, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Why do they follow him? Because they know his voice. Of all these voices competing for the sheep, they hear the shepherd's voice, boom, they're going. We read in verse 5, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Enduring Word Commentary says it this way, in the common sheepfolds of ancient times, the shepherd merely gave his distinctive call and his sheep came out from the others following him out of the sheepfold. Sheep are experts at discerning the shepherd's voice. Sheep follow the shepherd. They don't follow other shepherds. They don't follow any strangers who only want something from them. They follow the shepherd because they know the shepherd is going where they need to be. So my question to you is this. Who are you following? The shepherd or a stranger? You may say, I'm not following a stranger. Well, let me define a stranger for you. 
A stranger is someone that doesn't want the best for you. Stranger is someone that only wants something from you. The stranger wants no relationship with you. They just want to have a following. Now let me ask you, who are you following? Do do we know the voices of certain news channels more than we know of Jesus? Do we know the voices of social media influencers and even just people who are vying for your attention than Jesus? Are there people in your lives who you're friends with that just want to have a good time with you? They really don't care about your soul. They don't really care if you fall off the cliff, so to speak. Are you following them? Or are you following Jesus? You may say you're following Jesus, but if you are living an anxious, addictive, fearful, angry kind of life, you are not following him. I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you pray. I don't care if you read the Bible. I care. But I can tell you it's not, it's not true discipleship. Because true discipleship is following Jesus where he goes, which means doing what he says, which means our lives will look like his. Now, if your life is on the path of not perfect in love, you're quick to forgive. If you're bitter, you're not following Jesus. Jesus says, forgive others, forgive, forgive others as I have forgiven you. Remember that knowledge part? I know you, but I forgive you. If we're like, I'm not going to do that to other people, you can't be following Jesus. You're following yourself. Is there love? Is there forgiveness? Is there humility? Is there kindness? Is there sacrifice? Is there peace? Is there joy? Those are the things that will tell you, are you following him? So, let me end with two questions for you. One, can I truly say the Lord is my shepherd? What is holding me back from following Jesus? Maybe you've never began a relationship with Jesus. That's why I'll be up front. would love to talk to you about that. What's holding you back? Is it someone that looks like me? Or you have church hurt? You have doubts? Don't let those things hold you back from what the good shepherd wants for you. The second question where am I ignoring the good shepherd's voice in my life? Some of us know, I know this is the shepherd, but I'm going to go this way. When you go this way, good luck finding your way back. If you follow the Lord's voice, and even though it's going to be hard and challenging and it's going to be dark, he promises to be with you. What are you holding back from God that he wants you to let go of and follow him? If you say, man, I feel like I'm a sheep that have strayed away, so grateful for this verse. First Peter, it says, once you were like sheep, wandered away, but now you've turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. He will keep you safe and secure. You and I can experience that when we follow him. Let's pray together. Lord, just so grateful for your love for us, that you are the good shepherd, that sometimes you bring us on a new path that's scary for us, but you know where we need to go. And Lord, this morning, we repent of, we ask forgiveness of all the ways that we've said we've been following you, but really it's something else. Oh Lord, we are not smart, <laughs> but you are our good shepherd. Help us to discern your voice and follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday.